This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, shake and bake, Cal. Woo! Shake and bake! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you're not going to believe it. It's the most shocking Stacking Benjamins in history. Today, to tell you things you would have never imagined, we welcome Bachelorette participant, investor, and host of the business podcast, Trading Secrets, Jason Tardick. Oh man, I hope I get to do the interview. I mean, it's probably going to be Joe, but I really just thought that Jason and I had this connection, you know? In our headlines, the new Fidelity State of Retirement survey is out. Here to share the good, the bad, and the ugly, we welcome Fidelity's Vice President of Retirement Leadership, Rita Asaf. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Kevin, who's filing separately and looking to sneak his retirement contribution in under the radar. And then I'll have my Bachelorette-approved Rosie trivia. And now, two guys who pick you to be their happily ever stacker, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Happy Wednesday to you, Stacker family. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. We are so happy to be your welcome wagon to the midway point in this here week. Just pull over, grab a seat, pull out that Ottoman welcome wagon and relax. Do you remember the welcome wagon from 25 years ago? Like the legit welcome wagon? Like the people that would come to your house with stuff and welcome you to the community? Yeah. Uh, No, contrary to popular belief, OG, I'm not 140. So I do not remember the welcome wagon. I've not fallen into that trap for the 37th time. Nice. How are you, man? It's Wednesday. We got Jason Tardick. We're giving him a rose on the show today. How about that? Is he giving us a rose? I don't I know. Don't, it could be meta. We could give each other a rose. Who knows? It's all going to be an amazing time today with the gentleman from The Bachelorette and the Trading Secrets podcast, which I really like as well. Uh, we got all that. We got the Fidelity study, but first... This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Fidelity, Jason Tardick waiting in the wings, so let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Fidelity Investments OG out with their state of retirement survey that they do every couple of years. And we've had different people on from the company talking about this survey and lots of interesting findings every year. This year, though, man, what a weird year for this survey because something showed up that we haven't seen before. And we asked Rita Asaf from Fidelity Investments about this. I think it's the first time we've seen inflation. I asked her, is, is this true? Is this the first time we've seen inflation mentioned by people in a study about retirement from Fidelity? No, you hit it. The biggest concern we found from the study is the impact of inflation on retirement savings. You know, some inflation is fine. And you see that year to year. But what you're seeing right now are the highest inflation levels that you know, we haven't seen in 40 years. So it is a top concern. And a lot of people are, are concerned that their retirement savings right now may not keep up to what they might need for expenses. I saw you nodding your head, OG. You're not uh, surprised. People for the first time since Fidelity's done this, inflation shows up as their, their big fear. You know, the other thing that I saw recently, which I thought was really interesting, obviously the last three months. I don't know when the survey period was for this study, but I'm just going to assume it's sometime over the last three or four months. You know, stock market hasn't been really great this first quarter. There's been some ups and downs and the traditional place for safety in a investment portfolio has been fixed income, right? And you say, well, if my stock portfolio is not doing okay, at least I'll have my fixed income portfolio. But obviously it's getting ravaged by inflation. You've got interest rates that are rising and when interest rates rise, your bond prices fall. And interestingly enough, over the last three months, bonds have gone down more than stocks. So your stock portfolio has gone down, your bond portfolio has gone down, and then you've got this other thing of inflation. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times, the only logical place for your investment money is in ownership of companies. You have to own the organizations that are the people in charge of, or the places in charge of raising the prices. Otherwise, you get destroyed by it. This is one of the many reasons why you need to have stocks in your portfolio well past your traditional retirement time. And, and the idea of, well, as I get close to retirement, I want to be conservative, it backfires. And for those people who are you know, more conservative as, as you get close to retirement, you're seeing that as an impact right now. There's no way that your fixed income account your annuities or your cash accounts or your bonds or your treasuries or whatever, there's no way that it keeps up with inflation. 
you know, just one year of 8% inflation destroys how many years of, you know, safety, air quotes. So be real careful with your asset allocation and recognize that there's a purpose for each thing in your portfolio. And one of the purposes of equities is to outpace inflation. That's why they exist. I asked Rita then uh, just an overall look at this study. Of course, inflation, the big headline, but asked her, what overall are they really looking at here and what were some of the other key findings? Well, with the study, beyond just the impact of inflation, what we found was that 80% of Americans are still confident that they'll be able to retire when and how they want. Although what we found was the one quarter are less confident now than they were at the start of the pandemic, mm. which is a big drop than what we saw a year ago. But our study found that having a retirement plan in place and the line specific to your goals is a way to help you weather any of these ups and downs that you're seeing, well, that you've seen for the past few years and then you're seeing right now with the macroeconomic environment that's happening. Mostly good news, I suppose, OG, that four out of five people think that they can still retire the way that they want, even though we've seen the effects of inflation. We got this weird stock market. I suppose that's that's glass half full, glass four-fifths full. I don't think that there's been the impacts yet to you know, spending or the impacts to your investment portfolio yet with inflation to offset that. You know what I mean? Like it's top of mind, but it hasn't affected you know, a couple of years of four or five percent inflation will surely have an impact, you know, in terms of psyche, but gas prices going up or food prices going up, that's kind of feels a little like I can handle it for right now. And remember, it's on the heels of two years of 20 some odd percent stock market growth. So as long as you kind of sort of went into a coma, <laughs> I should probably shouldn't say that with, a, with you know, COVID, yeah. but, but yeah. if you didn't pay attention to your investment portfolio, in March and April of 2020 and kind of stuck with it, then you're much further ahead probably than you were then. And I think the other thing that she said, you know, that the study says is really important too. When you've got a dollar denominated retirement plan for yourself that says, how is this impacting me or how am I doing on my goals? You're much more likely to feel okay with what's going on because you've run that scenario for yourself. So if you don't have that, if you don't have a written dollar specific retirement plan for yourself based on your specific goals and timeframes and whatnot, then you, yeah, you would feel much more uncomfortable because you're just throwing money into the wind going, I hope it's enough. You know, I, I hadn't thought about uh, what you said there at the beginning, which is that uh, we really are in the point now where we can handle it because it isn't that two, three, four month problem that becomes an issue. It's when it's six months, eight months, 12 months of the same. And that's when the credit card debt starts creeping in, right? Because it's a little bit at a time. I mean, it's kind of insidious. It just kind of, oh, I'll put a little bit on the credit card because I can't afford the gas like I could before. You know, I'll just pay it off at the end of the month. And then you realize at the end of the month, you can't pay it off. And now you've got a credit card balance. And now they're charging you 26% interest on that credit card. And now you've got this snowball growing. Well, it's so, compounding, right? It's yeah. a compounding problem, no different than compounding in the good way when you have your you know investment account compounding. You want that to happen. But 4% inflation compounds. And I think you gave a great example there of some non... I mean, it's a financial impact, but a non-financial impact, immediate financial impact of that slippery slope of you know a little bit of liabilities, a little bit of debt, some maybe overextending, you know, the housing market, I got a little extra cash in my pocket, maybe I can get that, 
vacation house that I was thinking about, you know, that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, interest rates have already started to go up. So, so that'll have some longer wait times on that type of market also. So it's, it's a good time to have a good handle on your budget. We asked Rita next about the effect specifically of the pandemic and uh, what people said about the effects of the last couple of years of the pandemic. And here's what she said about that. Yes, there's some positive news and then some not so positive news. So I'll start with the positive. <laughs> Glass half full uh, first, right? Yes. Over the past two years, many Americans did establish a lot of healthy habits, mainly because they had more excess cash because they weren't going out or going on vacation. Um, so they were able to really pay down debt direct more money to savings, or even just establish a budget. But the concern we saw specific to retirement was that there was still inertia there or they were cashing out too quickly. And this is where we get into some of the more negative aspects. And we we looked at how the different generations are approaching retirement and how the pandemic's impacted that. So for those under 35, almost half don't see the point in saving for retirement until things return to normal. Oh, no. And then those, yeah. And then for those who left a job, uh, especially during the great resignation, 20% took out or cashed out their 401k, which that could potentially have a long-term negative impact to your savings. Boy, those, those last two gotchas there at the end. Don't even see a point in saving until, quote, things get better. Things get better. Like better than two years of twenty five percent market growth, which is the which is the worst time though. I mean, why do we insist on blowing up our plan? The time to invest is before things get better. When things quote get better, you're investing when markets are high, yeah, so that you can sell it in a panic when it's low. Yeah, I mean, the purpose of investing is to accumulate as much as you can for as little as you can so that it can turn around and grow and compound in your favor. And since we don't know in advance what those low prices are going to look like or when they're going to happen, and certainly we most of us don't have the chutzpah to, <laughs> to, to go, yeah, this is a great time to invest. The world is about to shut down. The economy is collapsing, and we're pretty sure half of us are going to die. Today's the day I want to take a home equity loan and invest it in the retirement plan. <laughs> you know, like nobody says that. People say that they would say that, but nobody actually does it. The way that you are successful in investing is building upon doing the same thing over and over again because you take the guesswork out of it. If you can invest $500 a month or $1,000 a month or $5,000, whatever the number is for your financial independence goals, you just automate it. You just say, take that money out of my paycheck every month or take that money out of my bank account every single month or every Friday. And it goes in. And some days you get lucky and you're like, oh, I invested today and the market was down 1%. Woohoo. And some days you get unlucky and you invest today and the market was up 1%. And you know, you're just trying to accumulate those shares. Ultimately, you don't really care what the price is. The only day you care about the price is when you sell it. And as long as you're selling it some 20, 30 years down the line, it doesn't really much matter in the grand scheme of things what the you know dollars and cents is on the price today, because in 30 years from now, it's going to be much, much higher. So if you don't have one, build one. But if you do have one, stick to the thing that you're doing. I do like the, the positive piece of that too, by the way. A lot of people doing some 
some very healthy habits, right? Uh, not, uh, not spending as much money at restaurants anymore, maybe learning how to cook at home, enjoying cooking at home. <laughs> Based on our goal of trying to get to Disney this year, I can assure you that people are spending their money at Disney now because, uh, goodness, we have, we have swung and missed on four different weeks this year of Disney trying to, trying to schedule time. Just and, trying to pick a day. Uh, apparently, everybody's going to Disney. Well, when I was there, it was pretty, pretty full. So we asked specifically about one age group that's getting ready to hit retirement age. Fidelity drew special attention OG to Gen X and where Gen X is right now with retirement. And let's hear what Rita had to say about that. Well, for Gen Xers, they're really in the sort of twilight zone. You know, they've had to take care of uh, children if they've had them, take care of themselves and potentially aging parents. So you're juggling multiple priorities there. And so add in the last few years and Gen Xers are just less optimistic about their retirement. And then what we found is they also just haven't given thought as to when they want to retire. And I think the eye-opening piece that we saw here is that the oldest Gen Xers are only five years away from retirement. So what we're trying to say is, hold on, now's the time to look because you're <laughs> approaching there. And, it, you know, Gen Xers have been saving. So it's not that they haven't been doing some healthy habits. It's just that they're getting closer to retirement. So they really need to take a look at how much they've saved and is it enough for when they want to retire and what that goal is. Time finally for Gen X to do some retirement planning, OG, and uh, actually look at the numbers. Find, you know, maybe a little behind looking at the numbers, but it was amazing that Gen X, no, nah, I don't want to look at the numbers. I'll just keep, keep putting money away, which is healthy, but I'm not sure I'm saving the right place because I really don't have a plan. Yeah. I do find it interesting that we pick on each generation as they get closer to their retirement time and pick on each generation and say like, well, you know, they have kids. So I know. they've really, and parents, they have parents and kids, and it's really tough for them. The way that you break that cycle for yourselves in your family or your family tree is put on your own oxygen mask first, right? So when you're getting out of school, if you're 25 and you're thinking like, oh, I got uh, all the time in the world it. to save. You do. Absolutely. So why not take advantage of that? So why not save 200 bucks a month in your Roth? The time to make the change to your life is like immediately when something good happens from a from an income standpoint. You get a pay raise at work. Just two days ago, you didn't know you were getting it. So so be okay with living on 100 grand. And they go, ah, we give you 110. Like just save the 10. Like you just, you you didn't know it existed five minutes ago. You know, and yet we go, oh, thank God I can get to buy that new car. Oh, I can it's about upgrade time. my living yes. room, you know, or whatever it is. And that's good too. You got to have that stuff. I, What we use in our house is just kind of a percentage thing. I think there's three places you can put extra money. You can save it. You can pay down debt or you can have fun with it. And we just have a percentage, 40, 40, 20. 40% goes to our investment account. 40% goes to pay off the house and 20% goes to have fun. And so whenever there's any found money, we just split it up that direction. You know, if the budget's a little bit lighter or, you know, there's a bonus or something, we'll do that. And and you can do that with your paycheck. You know, you get a pay raise, increase your 401k by 5%. You'll never know you, you'd never know you didn't get it. You just have to do that a few times and you'll be fine. Even on a very light end, that represents planning, right? I mean, that's very light planning, but it certainly is planning and Fidelity looked at planning and not shockingly, people that have actually done a financial plan feel way more confident than people that haven't taken the time to sit back. So I'm not going to 
play that part of my interview with Rita. By the way, we'll have the entire audio from this on our YouTube page if you want to listen to my entire discussion with Rita Asaf from Fidelity Investments. Uh, I did ask her this. I said, uh, do you know of a place that might have some tools that people can use <laughs> that can that can help them plan their retirement? And I was shocked when she said this. Yes. So Fidelity Investments does have some great resources and tools like uh, checking your individual retirement score. And you can go to fidelity.com slash planning to actually access some of those tools and resources. That's awesome. And you know what, Rita, we're going to link to it on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. So just go to the show notes, everybody, and you'll see exactly the link that Rita's talking about. And of course, Fidelity has a, just a ton of tools to help people get there. Thank you so much for sharing the results. Yeah. And, and big thanks to Rita. Uh, you can hear me there thanking her, but thanks to her for uh, helping us out with that segment. OG, I love looking at the state of retirement and I think overall, while things are healthy, some troubling signs out there with inflation and us kind of putting our head down. And man, if you're thinking you're not saving until things get better, you're, you're definitely doing it wrong. Time for a course correction there, my friends. Where's, where's Doug going? Over here in the, you just want me to come into this, the booth? All right, is the mic, is the mic on? Okay, yeah, all right. Look, I know they're still out there talking, but I'm in here in the thoughts and feelings booth or whatever they call it to give you my inner self around how the episode's going. You know, I was really hoping that during the headline segment, the guys would let me participate more so I could show everyone like what I've got, what I bring to the table. I know I can do this interview with Jason. I, I can do it, but they're completely shutting me out. Every time I raise my hand, Joe just gives me that eye, that, that look he's gotten. An OG would start up again. It's really frustrating. Thought these guys were my friends, and now I see how much Jason Tardick means to all of us. Who's going to get to interview him? Anyway, hopefully I'll get to talk to him at some point during these headlines. Really show him what I bring to the table. Coming up next, Jason Tardick. Jason not only is known for his time on a little TV show, called The Bachelorette, where surprisingly, he did not make the final episode. Uh, I think uh, most of America was shocked when he did not get the rose to make it to the finals because Jason is a heck of a guy, but he's also an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He's a speaker, and he's a host of the Trading Secrets podcast, which you'll generally see very close to ours. When you look at the iTunes charts, Jason interviews some great people. We got to talk to him about that, of course. You've seen him all over the place, co-hosting on Live from E. He's co-hosted on The Bachelor and Yahoo Finance. He's been on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Ellen DeGeneres, of course. You've seen Jason everywhere. But the highlight of his career, talking to us about his early career and how he really thought he had it all figured out, OG, until, well, he didn't. We'll let Jason tell the story. But first... Doug, I think you've got uh, some trivia for us, uh, don't you? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Man, I can't stop thinking about what it would be like to interview Jason, to get to hold his mic, to look into his eyes while I ask him questions. The Bachelorette premiered in 2003, a spin-off from The Bachelor, and still pulls in millions of viewers. 
Not only does The Bachelorette stack Benjamins for ABC, what popular comedy cartoon series parodied The Bachelorette to also stack some Benjamins? Was it Family Guy, The Simpsons, or South Park? I'll be back with the answer after I go fix my makeup. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equalizing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm available interviewer and one-on-one hopeful Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Roses will never be the same after the Bachelor franchise. ABC's first ever Bachelorette, Trista Wren, is still with the firefighter she met on the show. I'm sure the guy's got a name, but I mean, who cares? The show was even parodied by Kim Kardashian on SNL. So, what popular comedy cartoon series also parodied The Bachelorette? It was The Family Guy. So now, we find out who gets to award Jason the golden microphone. Oh, here he, here he comes. He's, he's coming. He's coming. Jason Tardick. Mr. Jason Tardick is here. How are you, man? I am doing so well. I'll tell you what, those stairs were a little uh, crackly. I almost fell through it, but it's good. It's good to be in the basement, my man. Thank you for having me, Joe. <laughs> we're frugal, Jason. We're frugal. We're not cheap. <laughs> I respect just that. Just remember, we are we are frugal. Yeah, I always feel bad when when like we just had Nicole Lappin down in the basement. She's like, is it creepy that I'm down here in your mom's basement? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's nice and cool down here, though. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. Absolutely. Hey, and by the way, I want all of our non-football fans to hang out for just a second. We're going to get to the good stuff here in a minute, but uh, you are from Buffalo and man, what a run your Buffalo Bills had. Yeah, what a run is right. But as the second you said that you saw my head drop, it has been so much fun to watch the Bills become relevant again. But it also has become just as painful as it was in the early 90s when we dropped four Super Bowls in a row. It's been a fun, fun run. But to lose that game with 13 seconds left, knowing that you have Cincinnati and L.A. now in the Super Bowl, and that was the final two, is something that I don't know if I'll ever get over it, honestly. And by the way, one more one more for people. People rolling their eyes now because we're talking football instead of the restart roadmap. Just one more thing. I just got to <laughs> tell you, though, Jason, you know, you guys made it so far. I'm originally from Detroit and as a, as a Detroit Lions fan, I mean, how bad is it that our quarterback has to leave the team before he can end <laughs> Tom Brady's career and win a Super Bowl? 
Like we can't win a game in Detroit, but he leaves and knocks out the best quarterback ever and wins the damn Super Bowl. So you could have been us. I feel for the city of Detroit. I feel for that story because that would be the most Buffalo Bills thing ever. Your quarterback forever to leave, win the Super Bowl, knock out Tom Brady. I feel for you, man. I feel for you. That's a good friend of mine lives in Buffalo and he calls them SOB, same old Bills, right? The SOBs. Uh, but hey, we're not here to talk about that. And for those of you that just fell asleep the last couple of minutes, uh, we, we're not going to talk about this great idea that I think a lot of our friends in the fire movement definitely espouse, right? Which is what is your life all about and living according to your values, which I found just so compelling in your new book. But let's start off with your story that you tell right in the introduction. You're in this meeting, this high pressure meeting. There's a senior banker. You're a junior banker. You're about to make this presentation of your life. And you're not in this job that you supposedly quote, hate, Jason, you're in this job that you've worked your ass off to get there. It's clearly been the thing that your whole life has led you to this moment. I'll leave it there. And if you don't mind, tell us the rest of that story. Yeah, so that is it. The blueprint we're all born into leads us into a certain direction of, you know, what success looks like. And for me, success was working for the big corporation, going to school, being the yes man, looking the part, feeling the part, speaking the part. And I did just that in 2010 when the mortgage crisis hit and, and virtually no one was investing in a younger generation of bankers or uh, individuals because the market literally hit rock bottom. I got into a very competitive management program with the bank. And so from that point on, for me, it was do whatever it takes to get ahead. And I did just that. I was the yes man. And I worked my way up to a junior banking, corporate banking role where we're working with companies that earn $20 million in revenue and greater. And we're in a big pitch. And in the middle of this pitch, I knew my role was to sit there and show that the bank is investing in the future and that I'm a backup if the senior banker is not there. And I was supposed to look the part, feel the part, and you know, keep my composure. And for something I couldn't control, my heart like locked up. My heart started racing. I started getting sweaty palms. It was a feeling I had never felt before. And in the middle of the meeting, I asked the CEO, do you guys have a bathroom? Right as our presenter was about to pitch, right as the, the banker was pitching, going in for it. The dude you're pitching to. The dude we're pitching to. This is worst case scenario if you're in a banking sales meeting. I'm literally having a panic attack in the meeting, stopping the meeting, asking where the bathroom is so I could remove I can't even myself. imagine, by the way, the dude, the senior banker, like if it were you and I, and I were the senior banker standing right next to you, I'm like, Jason, what the hell? Like we're going, it's go time. What are you doing? That's literally the only thing you don't do in this meeting is make a scene and leave right as I'm just about to pitch, right? And- I did. The bank, the, the executive said, oh, it's right down the hall. I get up. I bolt out of there. The pitch continues. I close the door behind me. And that's when I hit the floor. And I literally had a full out panic attack. I mean, I'm sweating top down. I'm turning white as a ghost. My body is just like uncontrollable and I don't know what's happening. And I finally get myself back together, splash some water on my face. Hope that I say this in the book, hope I don't feel as bloodless as I felt. And I must have, because it was quite obvious when I went back in, but I did go back in, we got through the meeting and I got out of the meeting and taking that breath of fresh air when I got out of the meeting was one of the best feelings in the world. And I think to bring this full circle, people might say like, well, why'd you have a panic attack? And where's the connection to this story? The connection is, is that 
I was working so hard living up to this expectation that I thought was what I needed to be that I had totally lost myself. I lost the way I talked. I lost my identity. And I created so much pressure on myself to be this thing I thought the bank and the people wanted to see that I was literally putting myself in spirals of panic attacks. It was just one of the many hurdles that I overcame in this world. And for me, there wasn't an option of saying, okay, this is telling, Jason, look within and adjust your career. To me, it was, I instantly need to cope. I need to find something so that if I ever have that panic attack again, no one will be able to tell. If I ever have that feeling again, I can continue to be the image of what I need to be to get that next promotion. And I went so far as seeing a psychiatrist and getting prescribed Xanax and Propanerol beta blockers so that forever I could have those disclosed in my pocket. So should I have a panic attack, there would never be a CEO or there would never be a senior banker that's judging me saying that I wasn't fulfilling the role that I was supposed to be fulfilling. But I'm reading this, Jason, and as I'm reading it and you go and you have this, uh, you have the first, the telephone call because your flex benefits allow you this, this free call. The woman tells you, to schedule the meeting with a psychiatrist. You go to them, they prescribe all this stuff. I get this feeling of you just trying to shove it down, right? You're just trying to shut up these emotions that are trying to come out that this clearly isn't for you. Literally forcing the emotions away, right? Like stomping them on every day because I was in the process of going to get my MBA. My MBA is a six-figure dollar amount. Now I negotiated a scholarship, but still I'm racking up Debt while working. And so the only thing I can do in my head is continue to exceed expectations at work so that I can pay my bills and get financial freedom. And I wasn't listening to myself at all. I was not connecting any behavior and emotions. And all I was doing was forcing these emotions in a garbage can and throwing them out. And that's exactly it. I called that nurse hotline. I'll never forget it. It was 4 a.m. I'm trying to figure out what happened that night. What just happened to me in that meeting? I know that like I get anxious and that I'm not absolutely loving what I'm doing and I feel like I'm in the wrong spot, but what happened? And I called the nurse hotline and she literally said to me, she's like, one thing I have to ask you is, are you like questioning your life right now? Are you considering suicide of any nature? Because she could hear the panic. And I like yeah. coolly laughed it off. I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. I'm just trying to figure out what happened to me. And so that's when she put me in front of a, a psychiatrist. And I knew that a psychiatrist could prescribe me to drugs. And I knew the drugs that she could prescribe me to would subtle all my emotions so that I could continue my behaviors normally to check the boxes get promoted, pay off my debt, and live this corporate America dream that I thought was the blueprint to success. You were part of a group of executives. What did they call your group? So there's the management executive team, the the hypos, the, the hypos. high potential <laughs> yes. employees. So yes. they would create this illusion. A lot of companies do of like this group of people that are in the hypo group. They've got the best expectations and they drink the Kool-Aid and they dress a certain way and they act a certain way. And you have to do everything you could possibly do to become a hypo because if you don't become a high potential performer, you're on the fast track to complacency. And so, man, did I drink that Kool-Aid and man, did I put too much pressure on myself to try and be this perfect definition of success and high performer in the eyes of those corporate executives. I remember this from my days at American Express and American Express, by the way, not a bad corporation to work for. 
it was generally a decent place to be. But I totally remember that, that if I wanted to be on the corporate ladder, I had to have the haircut. I had to have the suit. I had to live in the right neighborhood. I had all these checkboxes of things that I had to do. And just the pressure to be this thing while I'm burying who I really am, just completely burying it under this malaise. Well, heck, in, 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 in your, we, we have a joke here in the basement that, that we live for game night, right? Okay. You were living for Saturday. Because Saturday was the one day, because I felt this kindred spirit, man, that you've got this one day where you can actually be you. Yes. When my door shut on Monday morning, I felt like like I was back in corporate prison. Had to put the handcuffs on, had to act a certain way, get certain things done the way I was told to get them. And for me, I started to realize, wait a second, the only time I feel this gasp of freedom is on Friday when I can close my door and check out for the day. And if Saturday is the only full day, 24 hours that I could be myself, I could go out with the friends I wanted that didn't angle for some type of productivity for the bank. I could talk the way I wanted, be the way I wanted. That means that in a seven-day period, I am literally living one out of seven days the way I want to be authentically. And what a sad, sad math equation for a successful life, especially when you think about, on average in America, the average life expectancy is around 79 years. And if 18 of those years, you know, you're being parented into an adult, you are right. We'll take that away. You have 61 years to live on average. If I'm only living my life the way I am, the way I want with a smile on my face, one out of seven days, that is a pretty, pretty bad math equation to living a fulfilling life. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was eye opening. You go into this blueprint that we have, though. You were following the blueprint. You talk about how you had to break the blueprint, but you also point to some big name people that we all know, Jason, who broke the blueprint. You start off with Bill Gates. Bill Gates famously dropped out of college. Mark mm -hmm. Zuckerberg dropped out of college. Oprah Winfrey parlayed really a radio gig uh, into obviously the huge empire that she has growing up in a very low income household and uh, struggling as a kid. Like these people, you see all these people around us that break the blueprint. Well, your brother, right? My brother, right. Yeah. Tell us about your brother. Yeah. So I think guys, if you're listening to this, anyone that you might idolize or look up to or see in the media or have respect for, what's interesting is if you break down their story, and this is one of my theses with the research I've done, is that you will find they've had to restart, rewire, and rebrand themselves over and over and over. And they did it in a systematic way that doesn't correlate at all to what the blueprint of society tells us to do, right? So the blueprint of society, at least for me, and everyone has their own story of what the blueprint is. For me, it was you go to school, you get your MBA, you work for a corporation, you relocate when you're told to relocate, you move up the ladder, and that's how you get wealthy. But anyone who's done it, anyone who's achieved outlying success hasn't done it necessarily that way. I think about like Rob Callen, the former of Etsy, right? Multi-billion dollar company. This is a guy who failed every single class in high school other than art. But art was his superpower and he created Etsy by doing trade with a guy that he owed rent to and he couldn't pay. Right? You think about <laughs> Stephen King. The guy was a janitor, a gas pump attendant, uh, worked in the laundry business, was a teacher and had so many failed writings over and over before Carrie. Look at The Rock. The guy was a broken down NFL player who literally had nothing. So many people that we look up to. Barbara Corcoran, who's a friend of mine, 22 jobs in 23 years. And then my brother. And the reason I bring my brother is because I just named a lot of celebrities. 
But there are people in your world, and we all know them, those people that did it their way and not the way they were told. And from an early age, my brother was always into magic and into theater. And he was he was bullied for some of his passions. And he, was, he wasn't the cool guy at school because he didn't go with what was the social norms, but he went the way and the direction he always imagined. And now he's an owner of a Broadway marketing firm doing deals with the largest Broadway shows out there, literally career satisfaction 10 out of 10. And so anyone that has the ability to break the blueprint that you're kind of forced into and do it your way and write your story as opposed to the way that your story is being written by someone else usually finds ways to achieve uh, outlying success and professional satisfaction. I want to dive into some questions you have people ask themselves and uh, have you comment on some of these. Would you continue on with this job if you were paid half of what you're making? I feel like, and you address this later on, Jason, a lot of us fear leaving our job, right? Because I have this paycheck and yet we show up every day hating it. Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like, if you're not in a position, I think there are there are five big factors that people need to think about with their career. If they've ever thought at any point that like my career is so freaking pathetic, think about it. At any point you've thought about that, there's a reason why. And so you got my career is so freaking pathetic. Is it mobility? Is it the fact that you haven't been able to accelerate in your career? You haven't been able to achieve what you thought you were? Maybe the title or the responsibility? Is it my career? Is it compensation? Are you not compensated appropriately? So my career is so, is it skill set? Imagine I talk, we just talk football. Imagine if Tom Brady never picked up a football. Football to Tom Brady is what to you? What is your superpower? Have you found that? And do you do that in your job every day? That skill set, so my career is so freaking, is fear. How many people are fearful of being where they want to be so they don't make the moves they need to make? And pathetic, my career is so freaking pathetic, pathetic is passion. If you don't have some sort of passion for any responsibilities that you have, you'll never achieve the greatest pinnacle of what you can. And so I think it is so important that people identify what it is that's important to them and how they're going to be able to, to get where they want. Because there's a simple answer there. If you're willing to take half the pay of what you're being paid now to do what you're doing, you're in a good position as far as it relates to probably passion and skill set. And the money will come and there's ways to get compensated. Well, and you talk about that. I mean, obviously, if you wouldn't be in this job and it paid half, then you probably shouldn't be in that job. But you still, you've been aside in the book where you talk about how you got some hella raises, my friend. You, in a couple different ways, got some big raises. And the great resignation going on right now, people leaving their job, your strategies were fairly straightforward. Do you mind sharing a couple of those? Yeah. So, I mean, my, yeah, my strategies were very, very straightforward. So first and foremost, the biggest thing you have to do is you have to talk about how much money you make. So if you don't know what your parents make, you don't know what your friends make, you don't know what your partner makes. I think that there's a stereotype that's instilled from the top leaders in corporate America that we shouldn't talk about this stuff. Because if we do talk about this stuff, it gives us more leverage as individuals to go back to the table and negotiate for ourselves. I remember the days in those corporate gigs. If we talked about what we made, it was like slap on the wrist or potentially a write-up. Do not do you that. Can't, you yeah, can't right. talk about that. And I will never forget when I had Kevin O'Leary on, I talked about this with him and he said those exact things. Like, hell yes. You tell your friends. You tell your coworkers. Everyone should know what you're making because that's how you get information. And so that is one of the biggest things that I think we need to do is we need to talk to our colleagues. We need to talk to our coworkers. We need to talk to our competitors. We need to talk to recruiters 
recruiters that are recruiting for positions similar to the ones that we have. Without that information, we won't know what market is paying. And if we don't know what market is paying, the people with the power will 100% take advantage of your gap of information and you will be compensated less overall in your career. And the last thing I'll say is, if you're being paid half as much as you are today, would you stay in your job? If your answer is yes to that, it's great because you know that you're in the right spot for your position. Now you just have to get compensated. But I'll ask people the same thing. In five years from now, if you're paid double, are you content with where you're at? Are you proud of the position you're at and the title? And the amount of people that I consult or speak to that say, if I got paid double right now, and you told me in five years, in 10 years, I was still here, I wouldn't want to be here. Like I would be very upset with my progression. And that is such a key indicator that you need to make a move yesterday. I want to I wanna end our time together today. Well, I've got one more thing after this, but not about your book. I want to end our time talking about your book, though, with really the hardest of the eight steps that you have to really doing your restart, which is the first one, which is breaking everything down, tearing apart all this, all this BS that we have and really diving deep. And you talk about having a discussion with your inner circle. So let's give people a little of that, Jason. What do we ask our inner circle about and where are we going and how are we kind of tearing down all these walls that we've got? Yeah. So it's the third degree priority probe is what I refer to. It's chapter three. And so one of the big things I talk about is like how investigators will break down potential suspects and the process they undergo to get to the root of what is going on with that individual and how. And they'll use all sorts of different tactics. And what you have to do is do that with yourself. And one of the most eye-opening things to me was I locked myself in a room and I put all the technology away and I wrote down things I thought about my career. I wrote things down I thought about my happiness. I wrote things down about my trajectory and I put it all on paper with no one's influence. And then I went to my core circle, my board of directors, if you will, the people I trust. And I asked them the same questions I asked myself. And one of the biggest eye-opening things for me is how disconnected I was at versus the perception of the closest people in the world to me. Wow. They thought I had safety, security, success, go-getter, huge future potential. And all the things I wrote down were the exact opposite. None of those people knew that I was literally carrying Xanax and beta blockers in a Listerine freaking case every day because of how bad of a place I was in. And the answer to that is I was not being at all honest with myself or checking in with myself and seeing if my behaviors at all match my emotions. And I know people aren't going through that to that type of degree, and some are, but I do know that some people aren't being true with where they are at professionally and happiness and satisfaction. And so what they're doing is they're putting on a front to others rather than being open and honest with themselves. And I don't think you'll ever get to where you want to be. You'll never have the satisfaction or confidence within your professional life until you can get as real and raw as possible with yourself. And then benchmarking against your board of directors, your people. And it's always interesting to see how those things two connect. But that same practice today, based on the way I've changed my career and what I do, what's awesome is that everything is linear. My partner, my parents, my family, all the things I now write down are the same things they think. And that, I think, is a huge telling sign of where you are as an individual and as a professional. Yeah, I think the quicker you can get to living your values, I found that so powerful. 
and asking the people around you and seeing that disconnect. We also talk a lot about the future you, and I know you spend a lot of time talking about examining where you're going to be 5, 10, 15 years. Can you imagine yourself in this job 10 or 15 years from now? I found that incredibly inspiring. One other thing I find inspiring, my friend, is uh, is your podcast, Trading Secrets. You've been doing for a couple of years now. In a recent episode, you were talking to, talk about sports people, the one and only A-Rod. I'm like, this guy, I've been doing this for a decade. You've been doing it for two years. You're talking to A-Rod and I'm talking to you. Like, what the <laughs> hell, man? That's a tough break, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys had such a great discussion. What was it like talking to A-Rod? I mean, first of all, to be in his presence was pretty amazing. He has this energy that you would absolutely anticipate. Outside of just his physical presence, this this energy of just dominance and confidence, but also like welcoming and openness and warmth. It's this weird energy I've actually never – and I've had the pleasure because of my time on The Bachelorette coming across and meeting some really big names and being interviewed by some really cool people on Good Morning America or being on Family Feud, things like that. Like a very interesting dichotomy of being able to be in the presence of some of these people his energy was like nothing I've ever come across. And he really impressed me. He was so well thought out and so brilliant in his approach to everything. Uh, not only just his, his athletics, but his negotiation, his business at a young age. I mean, this guy was investing in real estate in his 20s. His desire to want to know more, right? I mean, he was networking with Magic Johnson at 20. He's a nobody at this point. And he's knocking on the door of Magic Johnson for a three-hour meeting. He's cold emailing Warren Buffett and having success with it. So this guy at a young age just had such a desire to want to move his life forward in so many ways, financially, from a business perspective, on the field. And I even talk about off-field too. Yeah, like Think about this guy like from a pop culture standpoint. I opened the interview by saying this to him. I said, you think about your success. Like as an athlete, you're one of the best athletes that's ever lived, best baseball players. You've been one of the most compensating athletes. You've over earned over a half a billion dollars playing baseball. Yeah. You're the most followed baseball player in social media, but you're also like one of the most relevant humans in pop culture. You're one in eight billion. How? How? Well, you know what? We're going to play just a little piece of this because I love what he said about investing, talking about everybody on his team is an investor. You ask him this question here is here's his answer. This is a little snippet from a recent episode of uh, Trading Secrets. BBB guy, we're going to business. So you, you, you make huge transitions. One of the things people might not know about you is that in your early 20s, I think it was 22, you said you'd bought your first apartment building. So one of the things about that is you're only three years into your contract. Obviously a lot of success, but you're taking some W-2 liability and then redeploying that towards real estate. Those single family houses come to multifamily houses, then come to complexes. You then build a, an empire. What advice do you have for someone that is struggling with taking on the risk of some of their W-2 income and deploying it to something because they only have so much cash flow and the, the concern of, of building that type of investment is, is worrisome? First of all, I think you have to understand the rules of engagement. You know, one of the things that we advocate here at AROT Corp is all our, all our team members are investors. I don't care if it's 500 or 2,000 bucks, but we're going to get into the sport of getting your at-bats because I got 15,000 at-bats at the big league level, but I was pretty horse 
in my first hundred, right? <laughs> and I think, you know, <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. I'll let people, we'll link to it in our show notes so people can listen to the whole thing. But that idea of my first couple hundred, I was horrible. And how many times, do, <laughs> how many times have you done stuff seriously? And, and you think about giving up after just one or two times, Jason, I mean, that's so powerful. You got to keep getting your at bats. Over and over and over. And, and so many times I've done it. And so many times the people that I've interviewed that have achieved this crazy success in eight different directions have fallen on their face over and over. The Barbara Corcoran example, 22 damn jobs at 23. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say in, in his response too, when I asked him about some of the challenges he said he had, he goes, when you operate in the sixth gear, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to have cringe moments. But like, I'm not going to live my life in park. I have 79 years on average to live. I'm not going to live my life in park. And I think also, it also reminds me of like poker players. The only thing poker players do is they constantly do things like game theory to get more information so that they can make better decisions for themselves. So you see all these people do it, right? When they're batting for the Yankees or poker players or Barbara Corcoran, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't the average people falling on their face, taking swings, giving things a shot to get more information for our own good? If we could all do that and learn more about ourselves to put ourselves in a better position for success as an investor, a person, our dating lives, whatever, we would all be better off. And A-Rod, his speech right there says it all. There it is. The book is called The Restart Roadmap. Jason, it's available everywhere as of yesterday. I just wish you had some some life, some excitement, some joy about the stuff that you do. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm obviously a little bit passionate about it. Like I'm on the edge of my chair talking about A-Rod and wanting to make a difference. And I think it really does come from impact. And if you or anyone you know, in the slightest bit, like the slightest, slightest bit needs to restart something about your brand or your position at work or your relationship with your boss, or maybe the industry you're in, this book is for you you got to give it a read. And when you buy this book, you literally are supporting a company called Restart. And I'll quickly, quickly tell you my story. After 10 years of working for a bank and seven promotions and four relocations, I was cornered with an ultimate ultimatum. And that ultimatum was restart your career here and delete all the things you have going on outside, all the businesses I've created through social media and doing interviews and podcasting. Or if you want to do that stuff, go restart your brand. And not only did I restart my brand and my business and who I work for, but I created a company called Restart that on average every week is making a million impressions, helping people refine their career path and their personal financial literacy. And so when you buy this book, you're supporting what we're doing. And I can't tell you how much it would mean if you bought a copy. We will link to it all on our show notes page at stackybedjamins.com. We'll also have a deep dive tomorrow in the 201 where we will go into even deeper detail on all the stuff Jason and I talked about. Jason, man, great to meet you. Congratulations. Good luck with the rest of the book tour, my friend. Likewise, thank you. And also congratulations to you, your show and your book. I can't wait to check it out myself. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. Hi, I'm Mitchell Walker. And when I'm not teaching people how to find hidden money, I'm out stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Jason for uh, leaving Nashville and heading to Texarkana to hang out with us. What a super guy. Just, and what a great message for young people. Cause you know, right out of college, I mean, I don't know about you, OG, but I thought that first job out of college, like I had to nail that. Like that had to be the big job. I didn't think about it as a stepping stone. I didn't think about it as, as uh, learning. 
I thought about it as, okay, time for Joe to make his mark in the world and do some fantastic work. But you know what? I didn't have it right. I think it's funny because I've only done this in my entire life. (laughs) Funny explaining. So, you know. Yeah, but you did move on from that first company. Sure. Absolutely. And have gotten hopefully a little bit better at it over the years too. But yeah, you don't have to. (laughs) It's it's so great. You don't have to have it all figured out. You have to do the next smart thing. Just do the next smart thing and just stack all those like little wins and eventually it'll be okay. Hey, OG, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put the two things you value first. Oh, uh, I am updating my net worth spreadsheet at the beginning of this month. So that's what I value. Excellent. Counting my Benjamins, except the market's down. So I'm not (laughs) entirely sure that I'll be counting more Benjamins. Counting the loss of Benjamins. Right, that man, is gotta, that is why I got to vent again. Where's where's Doug going? I mean, just wait, look, is it on? Is this thing? Am I hot? Is this mic hot? All right, look. I know they're trying to do the Haven Lifeline, but really, still, the Tardic interview is long over. Joe's not even coming to me for like the the two things we're supposed to. Again, this is just petty. Now he's already gotten to interview Jason. What more does he want? And OG, like now he's gonna just talk all the way through the answer. I I can do it, but they're completely shutting me out. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash havenlife now to get a free quote. Much more time doing fun things because of the fact that the application's simple. It's online, no waiting several weeks for a decision, affordable prices, and their policies issued by parent company Mass Mutual, more than 160 years old. So you know they're going to be there when you need them. Today, we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to our friend Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hey, Joe and OG. It's Kevin here up in Maine. I've got a Vanguard Roth IRA I've been maxing out every year. And for reasons I won't get into right now, I'm married. I'm going to be filing separately for 2021. So my $6,000 contribution last year is effectively an excess contribution because when you're filing separately, uh, they crank down on the income limit to make it pretty much impossible. It's either zero or 10,000. I can't remember. Anyway, I almost made a withdrawal just to get rid of that 6,000 because I thought that's what you had to do. But after Googling, realized there's an option to remove excess contributions. So I've submitted that form, waiting for confirmation from Vanguard. That money is being transferred to my brokerage account, so not a big deal there. I'll pay taxes on the earnings, and I have two questions. Uh, How will those earnings be reported? Is that for the 2021 tax year, or is that for 2022? Should I be looking for a certain form with that? Second question, why does the IRS crank down on this Roth option if you're married filing separately. Last thing I'll note is that it's above freezing now, so my free t-shirt, if you've got a triple XL tank top, I'll take it. (laughs) Thanks for that, Kevin. And uh, spring in Maine. Spring in... Sun's out, guns out, apparently. Man, I was just in uh, Portland and had a wonderful time just before we started our this uh, 40 City Book Tour, and holy cow, just beautiful there. In the, I'll I'll take Maine in the winter. OG. I mean, for a week, not okay. for the entire winter, but but for like a week. Kevin, I can answer the second part of your question. 
before we turn it over to OG for the really technical stuff. But my understanding is the reason why they crank down, to use your words, uh, your ability to do much when you file separately is because they don't want you to. That was part of a tax simplification act around, I believe, right around the year 2000, maybe just before the year 2000, there was a simplification act, which really drove, uh, was trying to drive more people to file jointly. And I do remember that this was part of that legislation, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think that I am, that uh, filing separately really kind of went away for a lot of people because they were trying to simplify the tax code and also make it so more people filed in a similar way to make it easier on the IRS. I know that part, OG, but now when does he see that income and uh, are there forms he's looking for? Any idea on on that stuff? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also the why on the Roth particularly is it's a, you know, it's a loophole, right? If you file mm. separately, yeah. let's say you make half a million dollars. Well, obviously you make too much money to contribute to a Roth and you're like, I'll just file separately. Oh, look, my spouse only makes zero so they can do a Roth. Ha ha ha. You know, it's like, that's, but you can put money in your Roth and your 401k. So just do that instead. And that'll be good. Um, two things. Yes, you will get reported income. It's going to be rather insignificant unless you made a whole bunch of money on your $6,000. It's really just that contributions growth, right? It's like your custodian will go back and say, all right, on the day that you made this contribution, what did this contribution turn into by the time you took it out? And then that gain, uh, they prorate it, and that gain will be uh, reported as 1099 on your 1099 as retirement income distribution for tax year 2022. So next, uh, you know, February sometime, you'll get a 1099 from Vanguard that'll say you made $187.19 or whatever whatever the gain was. It'll be uh, ordinary income, so you pay regular income taxes on it, but no penalty. So you don't you don't pay a penalty on that. You don't pay a penalty on the six thousand coming out either because you did it prior to prior to your tax filing deadline, which is coming up here. The interesting thing is, is if you keep that excess in, you say, well, you know, why don't I just keep the excess in? Screw them. Hmm. What are they going to do to me? What's the worst that can happen? Oh, boy. You get taxed 6% on that every year until you take it out. <laughs> and then you get the income taxes. Yeah, 6% exactly. every year. Yeah. Ouch. Which I guess could be, you know, you could arbitrage that, I suppose, right? Could you say, well, I'm, I'm going to grow it to eight, so screw them. They'll take their six, and I'm still getting my two. <laughs> you better make sure you get your eight, though. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen all those statistics about how, yeah, the market does eight, but you only do two because you can't stop messing with it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. So uh, very common, actually. Excess removals happen for lots of reasons. Oh, my goodness. I put my Roth in every single month and I uh, got a good bonus at the end of the year. I didn't know I was going to get a $30,000 bonus. And now what do I do? Right. So excess removals all the time. Custodians deal with them every single day of the tax filing season like they are right now. Just make sure that it does get done because I know that there's a lot of client service issues at all of these custodians because of you know employment and you know all that other sort of stuff. Everybody's struggling for people. So just make sure that your form got done. If you got a copy of the email you sent or it's in the secure messaging system that you sent it on this date or something, just keep a record of that in case for whatever reason they drag it out. But um, but uh, yeah, that's pretty common and uh, 
Congratulations on being the seventh person in the United States to file separately this year. <laughs> also, uh, Kevin, beware of, uh, I think what they call second winner, right? Or are they up to third winner now in, in Maine? It's not uh, spring yet. Or do they call it a fool spring? Uh, trick spring? <laughs> something? I don't know. Who knows? Yes. StackyBenjamins.com slash voicemail. If you've got a question for OG and I, We'd love to help you answer your question. You know what? As Kevin alluded to, we send you some awesome Stacking Benjamin swag if you're brave enough to call. Uh, so Kevin's going to get to pick from some of the fantastic designs that our good friend Brad Lark down at uh, Flying Pork Apparel in Cincinnati makes for us. Brad, uh, not only a heck of a designer, good musician too, uh, has played on our comedy club tour that we did a few years ago and uh guy can guy can bring it with both the guitar and with some pretty hilarious and good looking t-shirt swag all right just a few things before we kiss today's episode goodbye number one is i am headed across the country and would love to see you if you are in New York City, we are visiting you tomorrow. We're going to be down in East Village. And to get the exact uh, location that we're at, stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked. And just scroll down and click on New York City. 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. We're in the East Village. Looks like we have a nice uh, small crew at 1 p.m. And then we have a little bigger a little bigger group of people for 7 p.m., which is not surprising. On Friday, we're in Baltimore, and we're with the Baltimore County Public Library in the Cockeysville branch, and super excited about that event. On Saturday, Washington, D.C. I know we've already crested 60 people in uh, Alexandria coming to see us there. I hope Hooray for Books is huge because we're going to have a lot of stackers there. So come early to visit with us in the D.C. area. And then on Sunday, Philadelphia, we're coming to Hilltop Books, and you can get that address. Once again, at stackybedjamins.com slash stacked. Then a quick day off on Monday, OG, before we hit Indianapolis, Columbus, and Cleveland. And then, uh, hey, Detroit, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, and Chicago, and Milwaukee the week after that. Stackybedjamins.com slash stacked. Uh, one big programming note, people in the Chicago area, we had a scheduling snafu. We had a, an issue and those dates are swapped. So we are now downtown at Cliff Dwellers overlooking Lake Michigan. The views are of Lake Michigan from this beautiful private club. That is a that is a special night with the Stacking Benjamins team. And this is going to be a different event than we do anywhere else. But that is now Thursday night, the 21st in Aurora, we're coming to you out at Hopvine, which those people have been so awesome and easy to work with. Uh, when we had to change the date, they were very accommodating. That's on the 22nd out in Aurora. So stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked again for the, the latest. Make sure you check. Uh, we haven't had to make a lot of those OG, thank goodness. Changes to the schedule, but I often worry that people are going to go to the wrong spot. So keep checking back. All right. That's it for my stuff. But you know what? Something much less convoluted is that you may need better people in your corner. People have been there before and know what they're doing. 
stackybenjamins.com slash OG leads you to OG's team's calendar as they're taking new clients and can help you dream bigger about your goals this coming year and beyond. All right, that's it, Doug. You got it from here, man. Doug is suspiciously quiet today. Just look at the stare. You don't got to stare at us. It's okay. I didn't mind. (laughs) What should we have learned, my friend? So what should we have learned today? First, life is short. If you're not doing what you love, don't be afraid to shake things up. Jason learned a ton from his first job, but mostly that you don't have to be perfect right out of high school. Learning lessons along the way and messing things up is a part of life and of learning. Second, retirement planning. Remember that planning always makes you more confident toward reaching your goals. A little planning today can solve a ton of frustration down the road. But the big lesson... Never trust a man you think you have a connection with. I mean, the the moment Joe showed up, Jason wouldn't even look at me. I knew, I knew from that moment that this love I was feeling was unrequited. Time for me to go cry in the corner, uh, maybe do credits or something. Something nobody listens to. Thanks to Jason Tardick for being here today. His podcast, Trading Secrets, is available wherever you're listening to us right now. And you'll find his new book, The Restart Roadmap, wherever books are sold. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
I had a good, I had a good sleepy sleep. I was sleeping fantastic, actually. Best sleep I've had since I got home. And of course, tonight I'm sleeping someplace else. Probably on the couch. Well, I'm going to this weekend board game thing. So, because just what I need is some time away. I know, right? Look at this. I got my stack of games that I'm taking. Is this a party of one? Yes. I feel like this is a party of one. <laughs> just by, by myself. Like, like, who would go to that? It's like a movie, like a the Me, Myself, and Irene movie, you know? <laughs> it's like... You want to play? Carry, you want, it's like you want to play a board game, Joe, <laughs> or uh, uh, Harvey? Are you are you are you are you Harvey? Do you do you see a white rabbit? Who's your best friend? I was in Harvey. I I was too. Were you really? I think we talked about this before. Were yeah. you really? Who did you play? We talked about that. Who do you think I played? It'd be funny if we played the same character. I don't know. Who did you play? Say it on three, three, two, one. Dr. Chumley. You were Dr. Sanderson. I was Dr. Chumley. That's funny. I got to kiss the nurse at the end. (laughs) Hey, that's good. Awesome. I got to see a rabbit at the end, which is great. That's right. So that was fun. A fun high school play. Were you you into high school plays? Did you do? I only did one. I did one my senior year because I thought, you know what? It's my senior year. I want to do as much as I possibly can. And so so I decided to be in the play. And uh, by all accounts, I was a crappy actor. I was like super horrible, like not even close to good. Did they tell you you have a face for radio? They, they did, which is which is how this podcast. Your was acting born. chops mean that you should be on a podcast. You're like, what's a podcast? Did you do more than that one? Did you do more? I have been a performer my entire life. <laughs> oh god! Now we know where your daughter gets it. I from. was an Oliver when I was like when I was a kid. I was an Oliver. I did Moses. I was. Uh, we did Fiddler on the Roof. That was fun. I don't remember them all, but yep, I was a performer. Shocking to you, I'm sure. The, the limelight. I'm all about the limelight. The, <laughs> the best acting job. Weird. The best acting job I ever saw was uh, my parents went to a really small church and it was a very aging congregation. And uh, they they truly had this dearth of young people. And for their their nativity play, they had my parents play Mary and Joseph, a, a couple at that time in their late fifties with three kids. <laughs> so we were teasing my mom a little about We're method actors teasing my mom a little about being the Virgin Mary with her three kids. <laughs> were you heckling her from the back? <laughs> like wrong. <laughs> It's all a lie. It's all a lie. <laughs> the three of us. We can prove we it. We can tell you. Was it like four Christmases? Like Virgin Mary, like four Christmases where your dad got really into it and your mom wanted nothing to do with it? <laughs> Did you, see, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I never saw that one. Are you kidding me? I've, I've that's like one never of the, seen it. That's one of the movies that's on all the time at Holiday. Well, it's, it's almost like worth Jude watching. Law? Jude Law, Jack Black? No, 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 no. You've seen this. I've heard of it. It's... um. Vince Vaughn and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. The The premise is they've been together a long time. They've been engaged. They don't have really any plans to get married. But they uh, they each told their family that they they can't because they got to work. They can't go to Christmas because they got to work. But they just wanted together to get on a plane and get the hell out of town. How about uh, the trailer? Hey, Dad. 
Mom, hey. Listen, hey. Mom, I got bad news. We're not going to be able to make it tomorrow. It's me. No one was more upset than we were last yeah, year that she got into a happy and, and deal with the situation. Every year, Brad and Kate spend the holidays avoiding their families. No flights are coming in and no flights are going out. This isn't happening. Do you have a sister airline? No, I'm sorry. How about a cousin airline? No, we don't. How about like an airline that your airline's felt up before? But this year... Where are you headed for the holidays? They'll be forced to celebrate... Hi, Mom. It's my dad. They just saw us on the news. With all of them. Okay, he's going to give you a big hug when he sees you, Mom. I'm not hugging anybody. He's very excited about the hug. From New Line Cinema... I've, I've seriously never seen that. There's some really funny stuff. Really funny stuff. Well, there we go. OG movie recommendation. You guys won't take my movie recommendation to go see Lost City, but... <laughs> Did you say it was terrible? I, I said I, it this was... This movie's terrible, but y'all should see it. I said it wasn't good. <laughs> I said it wasn't great. I think you said terrible. I, said, uh, I think you said terrible. I should have said it like Charles Barkley. Terrible. 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 Yeah. Anyways, uh, you can see Four Christmases now or wait until Christmas. Oh, or both. Does that be there? Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.